Good morning, friends, and welcome to another episode of Create Magic Podcast. This is a segment of the creative weirdos section of the show where I talk to my creative friends about weird stuff and my weird friends about creative stuff. And today I have the lovely Bex Atwood. Uh, Bex is an amazing photographer, an amazing artist, and just one of the most all-around kind thinkers that I've got to speak with. Uh, Bex is a part of Liminal Earth and does so many cool things in the weird with them, and I'm so excited to share this interview with you. We go through photography, botany, ghosts, fairies, pretty much everything, and all the good stuff that you'd ever want to hear. I'm going to link to all of Bex's stuff below. Definitely check out her photography, and definitely check out liminal earth like i said some of the coolest weirdos i've uh, seen out there recently so yeah that's it we're gonna get right into this conversation i hope you all enjoy it have a great day and i'll talk to you tomorrow bye First time actually recording with Zoom, and that voice just freaked me out. I didn't know that was going to happen. Did you hear it too? We both heard it, right? We did. Yeah. That's I've, awesome. I've been desensitized. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm uh, really stoked to have you here, Beck. I thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me today. This is uh, going to be super fun. We just kind of had our first little chat a second ago, and I feel like we already have plenty to dive into. But, uh, it, before we even go back to any of that stuff, I had I'd been listening to a bunch of stuff you've done recently. And one thing that we kind of slightly chatted about on Instagram is uh, the idea of analog photography versus digital photography. And I kind of wanted to start there. Could you could you kind of go uh, one? I think I heard you said you're making your own film now. And that's really that's wild to me. That seems like some sort of alchemy that I just can't understand. How yeah. But uh, can you go into your thoughts behind that? And maybe some of like how you make your own film and stuff? Of course. Thank you so much for starting there. Because it's, it's something that is very old and familiar to me, but it's something that I'm diving back into. And so people who have gotten to know me these last few years are like, oh, you know, what is this new thing? But I was like, no, this is, this is, uh, you know, before I went to school for botany, um, I went to art school and my minor was in photography. And so um, Darkroom and I have always been great friends. Um, <laughs> but outside of, uh, you know, just the darkroom physically being a creepy place, <laughs> Um, analog versus digital. It's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And I mean, I have one of those new iPhones and it's mm -hmm. incredible. And I mean, comparing them to like all of my Canon EOS shots and things, like sometimes I can't tell the yeah. difference. And so while that is an amazing accomplishment, I'm finding myself kind of going back to my roots a little bit in photography and in investigating and those kind of go hand in hand, uh, analog photography and my original investigation style. I remember always taking like a disposable camera with me and, mm -hmm. and just loving how those photos would turn out. And I always had this theory uh, that maybe we could capture like the the soul or like the spirit of the place in the photograph, um, not like a 
like a captor kind of crazy <laughs> negative situation but like um like to be able to encapsulate and feel that energy within the photographs that i just couldn't get in a digital um yeah. and so that's the beauty of film for me that's the beauty of analog but i also really like working for it <laughs> so that might just be <laughs> Uh, something that is uh, very personal to me. I really like uh, taking the intention to uh, ensure that all the settings are right on like the analog uh, cameras. And then, um, yes, I do process my own film. And I just started a film lab. Um, it's going to be wow. launching here in the next week. Um, and it's called Mystic Photo. And it's a mail-in service, but what makes it different is that it's subscription-based. So it's like the membership Patreon type of deal, Very but I'm hosting cool. it on my own website and you'll be able to just kind of like build your own membership depending on what you want, how many roles you have. Um, yeah, so I'm offering that, but I've been processing a ton of film on my own <laughs> and it's been amazing. And and like you said, uh, like alchemy in a way. It's really interesting yeah. because you think about this film and how how like light sensitive it is at first and you have these exposures on it and and you uh you know take this dark tent and you're rolling these on a reel and um you know you're doing it without sight and there's like this whole outside of alchemy i would say like a ritual to it like you have yeah. to follow these steps exactly and then you get this result and even in that following these steps, there's still like you can have a couple little dust particles. You can have mm -hmm. uh, if I shoot a lot of expired film, you don't know if it's even going to turn out. And That's so cool. there's a lot of chance up in the air so that whatever you do get is that much more special. And I've noticed like in my shooting style, even with digital now, I take a lot less pictures. I'm not just like mm -hmm. Shutterfinger anymore. Um, and being intentional, being more present is something that I'm doing like both in photography and then that's kind of carrying over into like my personal magical practice too. That's amazing. That's, that's all beautiful. And there's a few things that like really stick out to me in that. And one of them is, and I'm not even going to try and take claim to this idea, but I'm probably going to like kind of butcher it, but I'm going to try it anyway. Cause I heard someone way smarter than me talk about it, but uh, comparing digital uh to analog in a lot of ways but photography is a great example when the digital image is built of it's binary it's, it's built of zeros and ones and like when you're talking about that beauty that exists like that's anything but binary like there's no way to really capture that with like zeros and ones truly if that makes and same thing if you're looking at it like paranormal experiences like you can't capture like something that's that odd in like a digital like i just don't think where it's gotta be a lot harder because it, like it's not a one or a zero it's something in between i think we all agree with that at this point and yeah. like how like it seems way it makes way more sense than like i mean like actual analog photography is like a chemical process right like there's things that are yeah. happening that are like way above the idea like there's so many variables is what i'm getting at and like i think that this whether you're talking about it as like the overall beauty that we all like that i always say it's that like goosebump feeling you get from seeing a piece of art that you don't know why it's there but it just happens and like you can get it from songs or pictures or all kinds of stuff but like that is something that i think you have to have that like ambivalent process 
process to really make if that makes sense and i think about mm -hmm. it a lot with like visual arcs i do a lot of digitally i draw on an ipad for like you know hours a day and... every day you're producing art and it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you and like i couldn't be as prolific as i am without the ipad it's an amazing tool but like i still when i'm doing the initial um start of it all the idea the sketch concept all like that's all still happening in a sketchbook and it's still very analog like that that part where it's not just like i kind of separate the craft from the creation in a way like they both go hand in hand obviously but like that part is something and maybe it's just because of a nostalgic thing like, i think about that sometimes like maybe the reason i go back to the sketchbook for that part of the creation is because that's where i started as like a young kid and that it feels right like maybe that's not a thing for kids growing up now that have ipads from the time they're babies and you know that's fine like but i think there is something to the tactile or something like that um but the other thing that popped out to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this for sure, is that when you were talking about the ritual of uh, processing photos, I did it very briefly in art school as like an elective. We all took photography class and had to process. I may have been like the last couple classes that had to do it. I don't know if it's still a thing, but like we had to do it. And there's like forced boredom in the whole thing. Like you have to wait for things. And like, there's so many little times in life where there's forced boredom anymore. And I wanted like, do you find that as like part of the enjoyment of the process? Like the waiting for like what's coming out? And it, it, I don't, is there something to that for you? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I guess I don't see it as like a, a boredom or a waiting thing. I think I see it as part of the ritual. Um, if you, uh, you know, my magic practice is, is, is very alive, especially in this time um, here towards the fall. This is where I just feel really open and connected and I'm October baby. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's elements to ritual that may uh, to the outside person be like those boredom moments as well. Yeah. And so when I think of photo processing and I think of like, so for example, if I'm processing C41, which is what you do for color photographs, so I got a dog. Um, <laughs> I'm doing C41, uh, there is a three different chemicals at play. And so I'm doing a developer, a Blix, and then a stab or stabilizer. And the first one takes three minutes. Uh, and then I have to agitate for 10 seconds, pause, and then every 30 seconds. So it's like very monotonous to someone who's yeah. not really into it. But then there's also like the eight minute and uh, like a one minute finish. And so I take those moments, obviously I have a timer and you have to do everything exactly the way it is. I mean, even just missing like an agitation session of 30 seconds could completely ruin your film. And so <laughs> I take all of that very seriously. And so I, I include like those moments. Um, I'm always having music playing. I'm always, um, I'm a multitasker. So I'm always got something else going on in the background. Um, so I personally don't view it that way. I just see it as part of the process, um, part of the yeah. ritual. <laughs> but, totally yeah it's i don't know it's so interesting thinking about it as a ritual though that's a new concept for me um because you know when i was in art school and stuff i wasn't practicing at the time and so um kind of revisiting this with these new lenses is really fun and yeah. I, I love the magic and the alchemy of it like you were saying yeah no it's it's one of those things where you you're making something like there's something cool about a blank piece of uh you know film or paper becoming something that you you know did yourself like that's like one of the coolest feelings in the world so i do a lot of screen printing and like that feeling of just you know printing like having a blank piece of paper and like that instant gratification there's like there's something to that that i really love and yeah i i think that's great so to 
go back like when did you start getting into like was, was uh photography something you were always drawn to or, or were you creating before then like what was your first kind of uh memory of making stuff sure oh that's a great one um so always had a camera in my hand was always I, my mom would call me butter or sticky fingers because i would always take hers and like disappear for a couple of days <laughs> <laughs> what kind of camera was that at, at the time um, <laughs> that was just like a good old-fashioned point and shoot that had like a mini printer with it oh um, cool I remember it was a digital one um but my first like romance with like film photography in general was in high school um I took the photo classes every year I remember fighting tooth and nail my freshman year to get that original photo <laughs> one spot and then I took them every year and of course the teacher and I had this fantastic relationship and she just followed my mystic photo page, of course. So it's all That's amazing. Um, but I yeah, started shooting film uh, nonstop uh, high school days. And then I really got into uh, like thrifting old film cameras and, and like the point Very and shoot cool. anything. And so part of like my existence was like, oh, well, you know, I can't this weekend. I have to test these five cameras I got and I only... <laughs> Can afford four rolls of film so how are we going to do this you kind of thing um but yeah i and i took like a little bit of a break from it i know that it was starting to die off um but then i ended up finding this minolta slr um i don't remember what model it is but it, you know it's just a single reflex um with a couple lens kits and i ended up taking that to alaska with me back in like 2016 and that reinvigorated my love for it. But then I started to experience like the film shortage. Yeah. Um, and so that's been uh, the biggest member at play, I guess, um, mm -hmm. with me like creating this art. Um, but then I've explored other mediums. Um, I'm not much of like a painter or a drawer, a drawer or anything <laughs> like that. Um, it's always been kind of photography or it's been, um, oh, Oh, I don't know. I guess just photography. <laughs> but no, um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, having the ability to stick with one thing is way, something I like. I jumped all over the place. I was not like I always drew stuff. That was always a consistent through my life. But music took over for a long time, and drawing took a backseat. And definitely oh, very uh, like I wish I had a little bit more of a consistent thing for. I mean, now it's pretty much all I do. So I'm very lucky in that regard. But that's uh, that's awesome to hear. And did you like right. at that? time did your interest in the uh like nature and the botany side of things uh exist or was that a later development in life Ooh. so i grew up um like a very solitary kid um okay. i had like four other siblings but we grew up on this big farm and i was just constantly wandering throughout the woods and those are like the majority of my child, like early childhood memories is just like being in the woods by myself, listening to like to music on like an old player. Um, and then um, my love for nature kind of took a back seat uh, when I started exploring um, other types of art. So when I went to art school, I had the minor in photography. I worked in a studio for about four years photographing, but I was really interested in fashion design. So I guess that's cool. where the illustration 
happened, but I was like really bad at <laughs> drawing anything. Um, so that's kind of what um, settled it for me. But that's when my like love of nature took the back seat. And it wasn't until I went to Alaska with that film camera that everything kind of came back at once. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's when amazing. I was like, okay, I'm going to school for botany, um, but I'm like also going to do anything I can to afford film <laughs> while I'm still around. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so what took you to alaska well my dad lives up there oh so, so i would visit but i ended up making the move in 2016 for about a year <laughs> cool. what part of alaska uh southeast uh his island is called the prince of wales island and it's uh pretty temperate pretty nice but super isolated <laughs> yeah not seeing very many people out that way, huh? <laughs> no, and like, I'm a, I'm a road tripper. I love crossing state lines. And I had to do like, I just sell an arm and a leg, hop a bus boat, you know, plane, <laughs> all the things. And it was not for me. <laughs> yeah, that's very fair. A year's, that's, it's uh, awesome you made it that long. I mean, that's a, that seems like a really specific way of living that I, I would love the idea of, but don't think I could ever uh, execute on. <laughs> yeah, same. it was really hard to make a living. That yeah. was my biggest thing. And then where did you move to when you when you wanted to go to school? Like, did you go straight from Alaska to going back to school for uh, botany and stuff? Yeah, so I, I've kind of hip-hopped back and forth, but I ended up moving to the Pacific Northwest, and I um, did, like, a hybrid school program, but I did the majority of my stuff online. Um, and then oh, I did work. Nice. So wherever yeah. I lived... Um, I just like, I remember one year I worked at a theme park here in Kentucky called um, Kentucky Kingdom and Gardens. And I would do like design work and like horticulture teamwork and even just straight up landscaping just so I can get those credits and be like, okay, I'm learning in person. This isn't, you know, this is a hybrid program. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting and hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Do you still like, I I know that it's probably something that you go back to pretty frequently as far as like, you know, obviously your interest in nature and uh, things like that won't go away. But do you get to spend a lot of time in nature now? Like, is it something that you get to get out there and like really, uh, you know, spend spend a couple hours hiking or do things along those lines? Oh, I feel like I have to just to maintain my sanity at this point. Um, yeah. It's such an integral part of me and my magic. I get like all of my tools and supplies from the woods and from, Absolutely. you know, uh, all of these. So I'm I'm constantly out there. And those are my favorite subjects to photograph now. Um, I'm like taking a backseat from portraiture. Like, ugh, you can't. It's hard <laughs> when you work at a studio and that kind of kills your passion for that, that realm yeah. of photography. Taking a backseat, doing nature, always, always out doing stuff. Um, but then... As far as like landscaping and like gardens are concerned, my grandma is like, I guess the original inspiration for that. And she has this amazing garden every year. So I've been trying to like help her weed it and do stuff along those lines. Um, But maybe one day I can have my own yard again (laughs) and really just let loose. (laughs) That that's awesome. But that's got to be super fun to be able to move back and help your grandma with that. That's got to be special. I I love it. And uh, so along all of those lines, when did your interest in the weird start? Was it something that paralleled like your whole life or something that popped up? I mean, it sounds like you did. You had a pretty interesting uh, uh, run there. Did you like what would you say your first uh, interest was for it or with it? So, yeah, I think it's one of those situations where it's been lifelong. Uh, There's definitely been fluxes. Happy to talk about those. Um, But I think (laughs) memory um 
my mom is someone who like my birth mom I didn't I wasn't raised by her um but mm-hmm. I, I have little glimmers of her coming in and out of my life throughout like that whole adolescence and um that was mainly because my dad had custody so he would just kind of pick and choose when I could see her um all mm-hmm. for good reasons but she was super spooky and super into um like she would go on cemetery walks and we would like gotcha. collect things and leave them and and so she uh had I think she had like a sh- pretty strong um Claire audience and she uh would talk about hearing people and things and so um I kind of grew up with that and uh yeah. the first time we lived in had an old lady who had died there and it was a pretty traditional like haunting situation but she would only really come around when we were uh renovating and Ooh. so uh, one of those cool classic ones but then I yeah. also um when my dad remarried a lot of that interest uh was squashed because um he fell into like a very evangelical church and so i remember coming home from my mom's and i would have like haunting connecticut dvd or something that the old documentary uh from discovery and they would like burn it oh no (laughs) um that made me want it more and more yeah yeah no totally (laughs) Yeah, but it just like grew, grew, grew from there. I had experiences on the farm. Um, but then when I moved out on my own, I was about 16 and a half. And I started investigating. And that was uh, in part due to a high school teacher I had in a journalism class. And she was obsessed with all of the local legends, all of the local ghost tales. She had the newspaper clippings like all over her classroom. And so Amazing. she was an inspiration. And she also was like person in charge of the dark room so we were just really close and um she would give me some of the first locations to go check out and then i would write them about them in the in the school newspaper and That's so like just my investigation journal and then it took on from there uh, i love it yeah <laughs> that's awesome can you do you what was some of your favorite as far as those local legends and stuff that you got to investigate in that first uh first little bit there Oh man. I, so one thing sticks out above the rest and it's because it's somewhere that is just really important to my own um, journey with the paranormal. And it's a, it's a cemetery in Southern Indiana called Bridgewater Cemetery. Okay. And it was like a civil war cemetery is what they say, but it's on top of a hill. You take a gravel road. Um, awesome. Awesome. And I actually had like one of like my 16th birthday party there. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> But um, that was someplace that I went to. I've been there, I mean, at least 15 times over the course of my life. And and the first time I went, I uh, I felt a lot of uh, really interesting energy. I remember standing in a circle in the middle of the cemetery and I felt breathing on my neck. Um, ah. I saw things run in the in the shadows. It was it was a really cool experience. And I remember going back the next day and I heard like a drum line and marching in the field. Oh. And I was you kidding me in the daytime that's um, so cool and, and so creepy like a those, <laughs> yeah a lot of those like early tropes of like oh you know paranormal stuff happens at night and mm-hmm. this that and that a lot of those are broken for me very early by this spot that's so um, cool yeah but it's also a place now where i really like i have a soapbox of like there's a lot of really gross like like racist rumors of like oh uh. about like the and about these graves and so i love talking about the cemetery now because i like to dispel all that stuff and be like hey you know this is a small town in the midwest 
these types of rumors exist, but like, let's not perpetuate them because they hurt people. <laughs> totally. Dude, that's so funny because, or not funny because it's horrible, but it's very true. Right. And I've had like recently I've been digging into it. Like Delaware has some weird little stories and there's definitely racist sides or roots to almost all of them. Right. And like, oh, like it's just very, very like the, I can't even like, there's not enough to really even talk about, but everyone that I get kind of excited about, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds bad. I'm just not even going to look at that anymore. <laughs> and, but yeah, like even, even the big one that like we grew up like driving to as kids, which was Devil's Road was like an old DuPont estate where they would like sacrifice unwanted inbred children. And you know, that whole like very problematic storyline of child abuse. That's probably like, you know, not nothing, but it's it like is the type of thing that is, I gotta say it's still going on. I don't really know. I my you know uh, my kids are not to the point where they're legend seeking at all. But it was like so prevalent and just like one of those weird things because uh, yeah, I have no clue where it actually started. There was no like every time we went to the little road. Essentially, there's a road where all the trees grow away from this one property. If you park there, you can find a tree where there like there used to be this little ritual thing, and there's like a door in the tree. Never found a tree. Never like none of that part was ever. The trees definitely look weird there, but like yeah, other than that. But I love, like it's it's one of those things that like I love the idea and the mythology of it all. But at the same time, there's probably some pretty problematic stuff to the uh, basis of it, <laughs> which is always. But like, we have the power to change that, you know. Exactly. Can, that's what I love about my work with Slimmer Earth is that we dive deeper than like oh you know. Uh, these people who create these rumors often think that time started when, you know, America was colonized and like, exactly. that is so, many, so many people here before us. And so I think in order to dispel those, uh, those rumors and, and that nasty perception of the place is to dig back farther and you can find some yeah. really beautiful stuff. Um, but even, you know, there's one place that I remember and it wasn't necessarily like, you know, a racist rumor or anything, but it was just, like the game of telephone, but with paranormal phenomenon, right? Of like, you can uh -huh. see as these forums online progress throughout the years, these stories just get more and more mutated. And it's really, really interesting. And there's one example in Indiana and in, uh, outside of Salem. And it's this place called Katie's Lane. And it's this barn on this person's property. But we would go, we would trespass. Don't trespass kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> like we would and... You know, we there's this whole lore behind it of like, oh, you know, this girl and she was possessed or she had this little voice in her ear and she did this awful thing in the barn and now you can sense her. And I remember hearing like creaking in the barn and that was enough with those mm -hmm. rumors and to send us flying back down the road. Oh, and yeah. So while it's really fun and thrilling, it's like these stories are so outlandish and, and what you tell yourself, you really get into your head more than anything um and it's really interesting thinking about like the reason behind why a lot of these people explore these places and it's really yeah. for that real right but totally I, you know as i was doing these uh i was writing these stories up my little investigation journals and i was um uncovering all of this you know you go from a place of like thrill seeking and and just being really wild to um, slowing down, you start finding like really synchronous events and you start finding more like subliminal meaning. And like, instead of 
you know, capturing evidence and having that shock and awe in the moment, like months later, something revelationary happens. And revelationary yeah. is not a word, by the way. Um, it sounds good to me. I'll, I'll take it, Bex. Slow <laughs> burns with investigations are kind of where I started heading, and then I'm, I'm really. I'm really into them now. <laughs> yeah, no, that is definitely the, the stuff that I love because it's the stuff that is not only uh, almost makes like the little synchronicities and the things that happen months after these events and stuff like that. They're the stuff that makes it more real. Like, and like, it's the kind of thing that I, that I forever. So I uh, have said a whole bunch before that I was into the paranormal, got kind of out of it and then got back into it when I had kids because oddly enough, I was trying to figure out like how to answer big questions. Like, you know, like what happens when you die? Like, what do you do when kids ask that stuff? And getting into like spirituality and consciousness questions got me back into like Bigfoot and Mothman. And I was like, okay, cool. This is all getting at the same thing. If you look at it right, I just like have like more of a connection towards the weirder stuff. And like, but it, 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 I say that because I think that what you just referenced like that, those slow burns, that's like way more proof of that imaginal connection and like the useful stuff like the stuff that i feel like people can actually like you know get more uh pragmatic value out of than ever trying to find evidence or like you know trying to you know capture pictures or audio or anything like that uh, i'm very interested in people that stop or uh, that aren't really asking like what or how or but the people that are asking like why to this person why at this time like those like like mm -hmm. the, the personal stuff like i think this is all some form of like personal mythology and like people can kind of form form their own things but what is your kind of like favorite you know my view on all this stuff shifts all the time and I, I love them all as thought experiments and kind of ways to tap into those like big like awe-inspiring ideas that make humans so funny then like uh, kind of special to, because we can actually think about these things and talk about them but like what's your current favorite take on all this stuff Ooh, <laughs> it's not that big I, of a question you know um you know, I, I bounce back and forth and I think every day is different. Um, yeah. I'm definitely everything all the time, all at once and nothing at the same, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. all no, very yeah. in nature and it's all very, is this related? Is it not? Um, I think two things stick out to me as far as like what compels the phenomena forward for me and like continues to be thought provoking is the connection between extraterrestrials and Fae. I love yeah, that. We can talk about that forever. Too. And then the um the time slips, time slips or like disappearing places. Those really trip me up because it's it's never really paranormal in nature when the person mm -hmm. shares the story with you. Like it's just like I, I don't understand this. And so I really like those kind of off the wall, not not grandma's go, but like things that really change people's perspective of their life after they happen. Yeah, um, I, I I try not to focus too much on like trying to figure them out or trying to like get to the root of it. I'm trying to find those connection points um, and I'm trying to uh, really just collect and share stories. Um, I think one of the big things with Luminal Earth is like we we love the uh, the Ghostbusters commercial that says we're here to believe you, you know, and, <laughs> absolutely. So I really now at the forefront of everything that I do is like you've met Night Drift and um, anytime I am on a podcast with anyone, it's like I really I'm really into listening to people 
I'm really into being that safe space for people who otherwise wouldn't feel comfortable enough to share their stories, especially in these rural areas. It's really hard to even get people to open up, but everyone has a story and typically avoid you know buzzwords and they'll start rolling the stories oh you know i've never experienced anything strange but time and it just rolls but safe space for someone is really important to me and then to not try to debunk or dismiss anybody it's just to like to be that listening ear um and then if they would like uh, i'm that person who perpetuates and shares that story elsewhere like via night drift or or earth uh, and so that's kind of more my focus than like, what does this all mean? <laughs> totally. No, I, I love that. And like the stories, like I mentioned, I can't remember if we we're recording at this point or not, but I'm in it for the stories. Like the stories are what I love and like, that's what keeps me going. And that's what got me back into this, like the high strangeness stories that you were describing are what got me like really back into this stuff is the time slips. And I mean, some of my favorite stuff is, uh, is the relation to creatives and the parents normal like if you start looking at how many of these people or experiencers or researchers they're all artists in certain ways and i feel like mm-hmm. like imagination is such a giant part of this one of my favorite books i've read recently which is kind of an older book is uh called mutants and mystics by jeffrey kripal and he taught like his whole it's a really big a really amazing book where he talks about comics in one of my favorite ways ever but essentially uh the i guess to sum it up in a nutshell he refers to the mutants as the people on the east coast that were creating like marvel comics like jack kirby stanley and all that stuff and like even before then with like ec comics and stuff and he refers to the mystics as the people out on the west coast that are doing like echelon and the uh human potential movement and like aldous huxley and all these dudes and he's like Jack Kirby is over here creating the lore and these mystics are living it out on the other side of the country and like the two are connected in these really magical ways and he goes through and cites like all these comic uh, book illustrators like the dude that uh, was the original illustrator for Conan um, and he's one of my favorite Barry Windsor Smith he had these like really surreal like time slips a good way to put them but also more than time slips so my favorite one is he's working on his drawing table in a studio and he's working on Conan working really tight deadlines for Marvel and as he's staring at his drawing the drawing disappears and after the drawing disappears the whole drawing table disappears and he falls into another time where like somebody's talking to him and it's like a work situation but it's not in his current work office and it's like this whole other situation and I could be getting some of these details wrong for sure but uh essentially he comes back out of it there's like six or seven hours missing time where he doesn't know what it is and then that exact event happens to him two years later and like that's one of many like instances where he's working on this like giant imaginative project and he just slips into the other or into the timeline or whatever you want to call it and those are the stories where I'm like yeah that's what I want like that's the juice right there that's like <laughs> like I love those connections and, and things like that but i don't really have like, go ahead i was gonna say that is the juice that is yeah oh my gosh that is so amazing those and those stories always have me kind of like wondering um what would i do if i were in that situation yeah, like no yeah how would, I, how would i react if i realized that i was missing I mean, that's just one thing that my paranormal uh, experiences have always been more on the traditional side. And so I'm just over here having my mind blown by these people submitting to the map and, and what yeah. you're sharing. It's just like, oh my no. goodness, living the weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 
time is super interesting because it plays such a big part into the imaginative process. Like I've experienced, like, I guess you could call them time slips where I thought I was at my drawing table for an hour, but three hours had passed. But it's just because I'm really into whatever I'm doing. And I didn't like fall into a, you know, another time and through my, like none of that happened, but like I can touch the edge of that. Like I can, you know what I mean? Like I can feel yeah. where that could go to. And I've had uh, more musically inclined friends say the same thing about getting really into playing like guitar by themselves they can just like mm -hmm. four hours will pass and they're like what? so there's something to and i think there's it's also related to kind of dreaming and how that like that passage of time and when time becomes weird and I, there, there's something that i really right. love about that yeah absolutely yeah. do you have weird dreams are you a dreamer i'm so glad <laughs> that <we did> this <laughs> i do i have the wildest dreams all the time and I get like my one of my Claire's uh, is like I forgot what the actual name of it is, but it's like the knowing. It's when you yeah. just know. and I get a lot of those in dreams. And it's something that's very prevalent in like my family. Um, the majority of my siblings and cousins, like we all um, will have messages through our dreams and we'll just like check in with each other or like um, a lot of like death things we we know ahead of time it's very wild um that's amazing but my dream life is very rich because it's also a part of my magical practice and Ooh. so uh, i do a lot of dream work and liminal earth we do a lot of dream work like around wufo and things we do a lot of yes. dream experience uh but outside of that even at a young age um there are like five or six different like dream worlds that i revisit often and could like I really want to document them as a photo project um, since I'm not an illustrator or a painter. <laughs> I have them in my mind's eye, but I just want to recreate them as a photograph. Um, but they're so surreal. It's like I'm having yeah. to get my inspiration from like Dora Maar and from like those surrealist photographers in like the 20s and 30s who could depict that visually. Um, so that's my challenge. But I, I there's a couple of places that I visit quite often. And um, I think that my most compelling like dream story is I dreamt of a place that I, I one of the places I would re revisit and then I ended up seeing it in real life on the internet and so Whoa. um essentially what happened was like there's this um old brick building it looks like a brick factory or something and it has all this overgrowth over it like these ivies that are turning red and a lot of the leaves are falling but in the center of this like uh outdoor courtyard within the middle there's a fountain but there's no water um, and all the windows are broken out. And so I would kind of hop through the windows and just pace this like brick empty hallway. Um, but with a view to the outside we would always see the leaves falling, um, but always wish that there was water in the fountain. Um, and then I was scrolling Instagram one day and I found this photographer based out of Belgium who takes, uh, who does a lot of like uh, urban exploration and a lot mm -hmm. of abandoned place photography. And in Belgium, uh, he documented pretty much exactly what I saw and uh, so I reached out to him and I was like hey this is really weird <laughs> but this is my story um and he loved it he thought it was That's great amazing. I later found out that I, I was doing some like familial research on ancestry and uh found out that like my grandma's side's from Belgium and I looked it up and like the birthplace of like my grandma's like grandma is uh, like 20 miles from that factory where he like he geotagged it so. are you kidding that's wow no. that's an amazing <laughs> no. story that that's really cool <laughs> yeah i know right it's, it's dreams like i had, I had no idea and i go there that's all the amazing 
That's yeah. so cool. And so you said you have some dream practices. Can you share some of those? Like, do you, I, I've heard of ones where you kind of ask your dreams or ask the mystery a question and then you see if you get an answer type deal. Is it things along those lines or can you give us a little peek at that? Both. Um, so I think we can go like the Lamont Earth route or we can go my personal route. Um, my, I can go my personal route first. So, um, I unintentionally like lucid dream and astral travel. Um, and so there's not a whole lot on that end that I have to do to prep. Um, I know that I do uh, use a lot of mugwort. Um, it's really good to uh, meditate. I know you had Amanda Paulson on recently. I, I was just going to say. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. She talked about that. Too. And so, you know, we, we both had talked about it freshly and I'm like, that's a lot of the same stuff that I do. So like spotlight to her method. Um, mine's not near as like constructed as that. Um, <laughs> and liminal earth style, we do, uh, a couple different things. Um, we've done TikToks in the past where we'll show uh, a place. Uh, so we call it the dream park and it's actually behind, uh, it's like near uh, where like our aluminum headquarters was. And um, we like shot a video there and Garrett's there in his little shrimp costume. And he's <laughs> like, hey, I have a box. Tell me like in your dreams, what's inside the box? And what's really wild is a lot of people guessed it right. It was like this little figurine, like this little tile. Um, but what was also weird was there was a large majority of people who saw something incorrectly, but they all still saw it like it was this toy giraffe. And like weird. hundreds of people saw it. And so we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then people got it right. So that's, you know, incredible. We didn't show it. Um, but then there's also been things like in WUFO uh, last week where we were like, okay, um, you know, it was based off of a submission that we had. Okay, before you go to bed, um, if you feel inclined or if you have access, drink mugwort tea, meditate, but we want you to do this, draw a circle on your hand mm -hmm. and uh, meet us in Grant Pass, Oregon. And we had like a screenshot of the setting. We're like, okay, meet us there. Tell us what happens. Tell us what you see. And so that was fun on Twitter. The next day, seeing all of the adventures that people had been on and, and how ours correlate and what was interesting is Garrett and I's uh, matched up a lot. We had a lot of like symbolism around like inflatable, like these giant inflatable things, almost like those car dealership, those. Yeah, those the wacky waiver things. That. But I was like pulling them out from underneath a theater stage while there was a show. <laughs> And then like Garrett was at a, like a circus or something, but also had inflatable. So now we're really chasing this thread in our dreams of like why there are inflatable like mannequins or something. Showing wow, up. that's amazing. That is amazing. Right. That's so cool. I love what y'all do with Liminal Earth and like doing experiments like that and just like fun. Like uh, that. that's the way community should be involved in this weirdness. Like that's really cool. I, I love it. And do you find that like as far as your personal uh, dreaming, like your astral projection and stuff, like can you control it pretty good? Or is it just the type of thing that's like always just happened to you? Is it something that you have control over or does it just happen when it happens as far as the astral projection and lucid dreaming and stuff? You know, I've, I've tried, um, you know, X, Y, and Z to maintain control. I've done all of like those traditional Google searches and I've read those <laughs> books and, um, you know, I do but, you know, just from like a very young age, I you know, shoot off at night. So, um, cool. you know, there's things you can do, especially as a witch, to like strengthen it. Um, 
and to try to like put a saddle on it, but there's still an element of it that's really wild and untamed. And, yeah. and I, I'm along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the point. You know, it's probably better just to ride it. Right. I mean, <laughs> I love that. And so, as far as your other magical practices, is there anything like it that you do? I like asking people about their kind of daily, like mundane practices. Is there like boring stuff you do every day that that you're not boring, but you know, things that people may find. Like I really am into just like what people do when they wake up and like the little magic and the routine of things. Like, do you have anything you could share along those lines? Sure. Oh, I love, I love mundane life. I'm hearing about other people's. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I do make a lot of tea. Um, I drink a lot of herbal tea. Um, I'm someone who can't drink coffee. I am so active. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. So I drink herbal tea in the morning to calm me down (laughs) so that I can like be on zero. Um, but yeah, I, I do a lot of tea. Um, I process a lot of photos in my mundane life. I, I'm constantly uh, developing and, and and something that I do as a mundane task a lot is I'll take like those hanging negatives and I'll like dust them off. I'll cut them up into, you know, five exposures and I'll store them in the film sleeves, put them in my books. And so um, that's a very fun tactile uh, yeah. like task that I do yeah. that's very very mundane but um i find that doing things like that and like washing the dishes um if i'm about to appear on night drift and i don't really know what to talk about um <laughs> i'll like do the dishes or i'll uh i'll do some sort of menial task like that where where the trance gate can kind of over and i'll usually get like the perfect yes. diet or you know just like I, I like to do things that allow my mind to kind of run free um, and then I try so hard with like wet hands to write it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's perfect. So, uh, before, like, I don't really go into these conversations with anything planned out. I'm not good at like, you know, pre-planning stuff. I like to just kind of go with things. And I like when listening to podcasts or anything, when you can hear people kind of like churning things over a little bit and like, I, there's something to it. But what I do like to do, and I did this right before we got on this uh call was is go in and like clean the house or like i do something mm-hmm. that's very mundane like not listen to anything not like i went in just before we and uh ali who is she's got our one-year-old she's about to go pick up our five-year-old from kindergarten i was like cleaning the kitchen and doing this she's like don't do that don't you have like you know a call you're gonna be on you gotta you're gonna be talking to somebody i'm like don't you want to go get ready for that i'm like no this is how i get ready like this is what this right. like is nice it's like it allows me to like hit that point where you know Again, I'm not trying to plan any questions, but just in general, I was like, and it's so funny because uh, right when that happened, I finished doing the dishes and I looked at my phone and uh, we talked about this right before we got on here, but uh, my friend Vuk messaged me and was like, have you ever heard of Liminal Earth? And I was like, it's really funny because in five minutes, I'm about to be talking to Vex. And yeah, so... Vuk uh, wants me to ask a very specific question, and that is about why orange peels are so magic. That's what we're trying to figure out. So, <laughs> it's such a weird mystery. So I can like give some background information to that. Um, so, you know, we came across this phenomenon about a year ago um, where there's this, there's this park, this industrial park right next to this, like inner, like um, very much in the metro area, but a trail that you can walk. And uh, there was a very mysterious pile of peeled oranges that would appear. And so we went out, Luminal Earth 
Uh, we went out and documented it. We like took one of the oranges for testing, like, you know, just like silly things. <laughs> but we, we started uh, doing a lot of like foot on the ground research and we talked to locals in the area and, and we found out that they've been showing up for decades. Definitely. And people on like the Facebook groups in the town are like, what is the deal? Amazing. Um, so we posted, you know, to TikTok and all the things. And, and we had like a list of things that people wanted us to look into. Like, is there a bar nearby? Was there like a marmalade shop? And we slowly like debunked all of the things. Amazing. And so now we're kind of left like, it really could just be some dude undocumented just coming in, like dumping them. No one knows him. No one sees him. And that's all possible. But um, that's like the mundane explanation. Right. And so we like to kind of take it into our own hands and have all of these really wild explanations of like, maybe, you know, there's a hole in, in this part of the world and all of the unpeeled oranges of the world or all of the peeled oranges of the world fall into this one. <laughs> it's really wild, but um, I love that. Like, Funny, like every six months or so they'll show up but then it's become you know not just orange peels but like we get submissions of like lemons in really random areas and like cabbages wedged between mailboxes and like just like this Amazing. greater mysterious produce phenomenon <laughs> i love well oh my gosh. food and the paranormal or the others like one of my favorite things in the world and before i go down that road uh because that ties back to the other thing you love a lot that i love that i want to get into as far as the fey alien connection and things like that yeah. but like even if it was like let's say it was some super mundane thing where there was some random orange peels found and it became like a a story for some reason and somebody decided to keep putting orange peels there and then had their kids put orange peels there and it's been a hoax for that that is magic in itself like who cares if that's what's going on like that's just as magical as like all of the orange peels showing up in one place like i kind of love hoaxes i kind of love like when like i think yeah. there is something to like um baiting the other like like do like i think hoaxes are a way to like get the interaction up and like there's a lot of different ways you can like ho hoaxing is a very loaded word but uh playing in that creative imaginal realm is a way to like kind of interact with things and i think you know put uh, keeping a beautiful story like that alive in any way whether it's the way you all are doing or if it's somebody that's continuing to uh drop some orange peels there mysteriously in the evening at some point that's fine like either way is great but uh it obviously like, the first thing i hear think of when i hear something like that is fey like when you hear right. weird food stuff and like you know yeah especially like things that seem to aport and like food waste that all like seems very feyish to me like but yeah go ahead so it's it's not uh orange peels it's peeled oranges so the whole oh, and but like okay. what's really wild is that the one that we went there and we didn't have any oranges, guess what we found on the ground anyways, uh, was a box of like Tropicana orange juice for like Amazing. Florida. So Amazing. it was like this joke, right? And yeah, we're like, that's... Oh, are we <laughs> that's amazing no i think that's really uh and, and like that lines up as far as just like weird kind of uh humor that you can find in a lot of fey accounts and like i really love the idea of looking at those things as like cultural reflections and that is the perfect cultural reflection of like oh you're coming here for some oranges here's some processed orange juice for you <laughs> you weird modern humans this is like what you like right <laughs> like that's amazing i love it <laughs> when you take the 
out for orange juice processing too. Yeah, you know what? That's funny. (laughs) That's very true. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So what drew you to the Fae in general and that mythology? Was there like one particular thing that got you into it or? (laughs) Yes, um, it was an experience that I had when I first moved to Washington um, back in 2020. Um, My uh, then partner and I, we moved into this little house on this peninsula in the middle of the woods and we started having really strange activity. Um, and it wasn't really quite lining up with like traditional ghost stuff. And, and it's something that a lot of experience. And then like, um, you know, I learned from my family, like really early on about burning sage and, and doing things to kind of calm the energy of your house. And so um, I kind of came with that knowledge uh, going into it, but I also, um, was starting to look into um what was it just like the history and the uh like generalized paranormal phenomenon on the peninsula and i was finding a lot of really strange stuff and and then my uh experiences my partner then's experiences he was um like seeing really weird things in the driveway and he uh, was feeling watched and i did like a house cleansing and I did some stuff, but then I, I started meditating in the backyard and I, that knowing just kind of kicked in and was like, Hey, you know, I'm fine with you being here, but I'm going to need something kind of deal. Like there was a transaction yeah. for us that occurred. And so I was like, okay, um, what do you want? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> that, um, as long as they didn't mess around, the house they could have like the entire backyard they could have the woods but i had to leave them like edible food offerings once a month so we had like okay. this tree stuff and i left them like a lot of seasonal stuff and and all things that were like biodegradable and like safe for the wildlife just in case but mm-hmm. um i started leaving offerings and then i uh we had no activity um and then the activity would start to kick up if i was like past due it was oh, like a wow no it was like hello <laughs> you know like I couldn't wow but i could feel it and then yep. my partner like i see something in that kitchen window all the time got a curtain didn't work um oh no so i just couldn't be late on my offerings pretty much and, and of course yeah. that made a ton of research and it was so fake <laughs> yeah no i've heard that i've heard i think it was timothy renner say before like if you can't don't start the offerings if you can't keep doing it because they don't like it when you stop like the good folk ain't into that and that makes a lot of sense and like that's uh, that area of uh this country seems like the most fayish just how green and dense and like just the moss and moisture and like there's something magical about that that place yeah. out there for sure yeah um, it's also an area that's so untouched, um, yeah. like peninsula right where about where I was, uh, a lot of that would still hasn't even been touched by humans. So, whoa, okay. that's super uh, cool. Yeah, no, there's something super magical about that. Is there like a particular, you know, as far as the fae folklore and stuff like that goes, like, did you get that kind of mischievous feeling or that kind of like the, like there seems to be a lot of darkness and I've, I've said a lot that I haven't read a lot of like the direct source fae material. I've read a lot of the comparative folklore stuff from like Joshua Cutchin and folks along and Jacques Vallée and things like that but I've read very little in the actual like Celtic accounts and things like that so but I get the the vibe that it's a they they can be pretty trickster and a little bit of a darker energy out there did you get that feeling from your experience or um somewhat so definitely trickster um 
I, I see a lot of stuff on like witch talk, for example, of like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of face narrative around the Fae. And that's something that I really try to dispel because, you know, if you're like an introduction, you're being introduced to magic and you're, you're on TikTok and, and all these people are saying like, oh, you know, don't work with the Fae, this, that, and the other, um, you know, I can see people being really scared. And, and I, you know, had a similar experience where I, you know, was just so, so scared to, 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 to do anything and and because i read this one book that was like you should fear the fate essentially and yeah. um and it wasn't if i had my own experiences but i think that with the paranormal and and like a greater uh capacity you, you should not approach anything with fear you, you have control of the yeah. situation like something i get a lot from tenny um but totally I, it's like i think it was definitely trickster in some sense for like the way acting with my then partner um they were like messing with him a little bit and <sighs> and he had never experiences really before that and so it was almost like because he was like this uh really brawny tough guy he was in the military and um i think that there was an aspect of that that they didn't like or they were like oh you're not so tough like we're yeah. gonna mess because they never messed with me totally I, but they would like pick on him and i think it's funny now of course yeah. because who are you to be this tough guy um That's you know hilarious. they don't care <laughs> so they definitely fixed their negative not so much i think it's all in an interaction and i think it's an intention and i think it's um it, it goes to like my greater spiel of like approaching things with reverence and like not going in with like a transactional attitude or like just yeah. coming in hands right off the bat i think that they are like okay <laughs> no <laughs> set and setting is so important in like every realm of life like it really is about how what you're bringing to it and how and like it's i i was talking to vuk about this uh or about Faye in general and i can't remember which one of us brought up the point but uh the fact that like historically all this stuff is recounted by like you know catholic monks that killed the druids and like destroyed this so like there's a dark like tinge to the way it's recorded but it probably wasn't really viewed as much so by the people that like created the the uh, or had the initial experiences and like you know it's super one of those things that you can lose lose sight of sometimes and it's awesome to hear how much you voice the positive side of all of this because it's something that i find myself wanting to do a lot and then i'll like i'll find myself backpedaling sometimes so i'm like oh some people have really bad experiences with this stuff and i don't want to like that da- you know i don't want to be like so my i've been looking at these things as like kind of muses for me like i really like view them as like forms or a way to tap into the imaginal and like i get like a very like less than a transactional way and more in a like spiritual like you feel like you're tapping into that greater consciousness that big thing that there's no real word for or a million words for and like i feel like sometimes i go down that rabbit hole and i'm like oh but some people like have really bad like they're in a really bad (laughs) way and it seems like most people pull themselves out and end up having that transfer that transformative uh experience and like it becomes a positive for like i definitely uh see that as the overarching trend like the overarching trend of of whatever you want to call this phenomenon is positive but there is so much negativity so it's awesome to hear somebody else like voicing so much for the positive side of all these things so so thank you for that yeah thank you for noticing It's like a, you know, it's just trying to keep my own head above water there. But you know, like I'm, I'm dealing with so many people's stories, and I remember I was on this podcast once, and he straight up was like, 
it wasn't like a gotcha moment necessarily, but it was like, what do you say to those people who have negative experiences after I went on my positive spiel? And I was like, oh, you know, yeah, and, I've been there, <laughs> you know, like we're encouraging people to try to make contact. And then there are these people who like made contact and like their lives are ruined. And so you kind of have to live on that balance. Right. But then I have to remember that we are viewing this from like our human lens yes. and it's like a greater objective neutral and everything and so you know someone can go into like you know a very haunted area get scratched and say i had a negative experience that was a demon or whatever and you know if you flip it on its other side and say well you know what if you're a spirit and you and you're in this place for so long and you're trying to get attention that this is the only way that you feel heard does that make you not necessarily so you know the nature of of the uh of the negativity is definitely in the eye of the beholder, but I think that the greater forces out there are very just neutral. Yeah, and <laughs> that's dude, how we have you, to. Bex, you bring up a great point. One of my favorite things is looking at like tropes in this kind of paranormal world and seeing how they uh, mash up against things like religious studies and like philosophy and literature and. one of the consistent things in all of those realms I find is that when you uh, get real deep, most people agree or big thinkers will say there's no good or evil. It's all kind of a chaotic neutral out there. And you can see that in spirituality, religion, literature, philosophy, the paranormal. And that's the stuff that I think there's really something to like, that's like when I, when I, what I like about the the people that do the kind of comparative folklore style studying of this stuff is that like pulling away those gems where it's like, Ooh, I heard that on a religious studies podcast and there's something to it. If both of these things are, are leading to that same point, you know, it's kind of, and I don't mean to keep bringing up Vuk, but it's kind of like how he has a biology background and came to the Gaia hypothesis before knowing what the Gaia hypothesis was. Like, it was one of those things oh, where, cool. like, yeah, he, like, had those thoughts and then did some research. It was like, oh, James Lovelock had these thoughts back in the 70s and has a whole system and was kind of mad that that wasn't exposed that it wasn't exposed throughout his biology teachings like he was like how could i not know about this and i was a biologist and like I, so that kind of leads me to one of the things i wanted to ask you about as far as like the relationship between nature and like almost that more biological side of things and the phenomenon and i you said earlier again i can't remember if recording or not that you originally wanted to get into more and to be more of a uh, mycologist and study more things about like the fungus and i I believe it was Tenny who said before that, like, he's theorized that Michigan is just a giant, like, you know, uh, essentially a giant web of mushrooms that are, you know, leaching into waterways and dosing the population (laughs) and things like that, which I love those type of ideas. And he said it way better than I did because he's John Tenny. But uh, yeah, like, what is your, what do you think as far as the relationship to all of that and the paranormal? Oh, I think it's so interesting. Um, there's, I mean, so many ways that we can go with that. And and I love Tenny's theory. Um, but, you know, then that mycologist side of me comes out and is like, well, Tenny, like, that that's doesn't really work. Not, like, active species like that is literally. <laughs> and then we have other um, massive mycological organisms in Oregon that is like a honey mushroom and it's technically parasitic. And so, um, you know, I, I think that it's really fun to theorize that. But then... I think about the uh, innate intelligence of plants and of um, mushrooms. And I love thinking about the 
uh, mycelium, the actual like life force and like what I would say roots of uh, mushrooms, you know, the uh, the little mushrooms that we see above ground are just like the apples of the tree, right? There's this mm-hmm. whole organism going on and it can be massive, but there's an intelligence to it. And it's been compared to like the World Wide Web Network as it connects wow. with all the other plant roots and communicates. Um, and we've recently found out that um, there is almost a sort of language that can be detected with up to about 50 words in its vocabulary now between um, these uh, mycorrhizae. And so that's really exciting and fun. And it makes you wonder, like, well, how intelligent are these beings? And could they be contributing to any of this phenomenon? Um, and and on, not only that, but like when you're thinking about fae and how um, old a lot of this stuff is, well, fungus was some of the first yeah beings on this planet and so like what intelligence do they hold and and what you know seemingly supernatural gifts do they have um but i love thinking about that and uh our experiments with the florophone and with garrett's plant coco Uh have been wild because you're learning about how much a plant really knows and how well they can communicate and what where that intelligence is and we straight up asked Coco, like, what should vegans eat? <laughs> and her task was like, air. You should just breathe air, pretty much. Amazing. Um, Amazing. So you were like, you know, the people even 100 years ago, like, what we're doing is, like, supernatural in nature, yes, right? And so, 100%. you know, a lot of this, this, this paranormal occurrences, I'm wondering if it's just another piece of nature, but because of how far back we are, we're viewing it the same way that like the Victorians would have viewed what we're doing now. Yes. Um, and so that's something that I think about way too much. <laughs> and yeah. and um, I don't know. I think that some of my favorite places to investigate are in nature. Um, yeah. I, I absolutely love leaving offerings to like the Fae, but I, I love the idea of there being like a spirit or like an animistic approach, I guess, uh, just a spirit in every tree and every plant and yes. then being able to work with them, being able to create relationships. Um, and then that kind of being, uh, you know, a new guidepost in your life in some capacity. And um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but it gets really tangled really quickly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I love talking to people way smarter than me about it. Because once like Vuk starts talking about self-regulating systems, I like just love hearing the words. Like it's like I can kind of grasp what he means for the most part. But like just the it's like poetry the way it comes out sometimes. But uh, like I love that animistic point of view and that like really I mean I just love the idea that Mother Earth would use these type of like. archetypes to communicate with people and like i love the idea that there's something something like i've always jived with the idea that we're all connected in some way but have a very personal view of that connection and i love the idea that it is through something like an earth consciousness or something along those lines and yeah i'm thinking about um you know, all of these topics that we've covered so far, and I'm seeing like a a generalized theme. And then generalized theme is like, you know, whether it's analog photography, whether it's, you know, documenting and investigating a place, whether it's leaving offerings, it's like all of these things contribute to like you being more present as a human in this world that we're living in. Right? And so it's You just crushed it. Yeah. Right? Um, Yeah. I'm thinking about like, you know, not to dig too deep, but like, my old like my ex-partner like I remember we would travel together quite a bit and he would like kind of jab at me for taking so many photos 
And I'm like, but this is how I experience things. And this is how I, this is how they outlive me. And so, you know, there's obviously fundamental differences there that have since been resolved, but um, just thinking about how, you know, looking through that viewfinder and process, seeking all the kind of processes moments, like it makes me appreciate the presence so much yep. and being so hyperactive and being so going on all the time. My head's constantly in the future. I'm thinking about, you know, liminal trips and, and upcoming yep. night drift reports and, and these elements that are so important to me are bringing me back down to earth and, and are keeping me in the moment so that I can actually enjoy myself and yeah. all of have have contributed to that. No, that's beautiful. And I think you nailed it. I think that attention is what is the most, like, whether it's emotions that uh, bring, like, high emotions focus your attention in a lot of ways. They make it so you're doing nothing but feeling that. And then, again, that's a very consistent time for paranormal experiences. Uh, the art, the act of creating the same thing that we were talking about, losing yourself and playing guitar or drawing, or, like, these are times where you're, like, fully focused. And uh, I, we should have just had Vuk on for this conversation, because me and him just had a two-hour conversation called imaginal offerings where the idea is that creativity is the offering for is the modern offering for the fae uh he had read a couple a book recently about the fae and noticed that food was the biggest offering because it was so meaningful for the people at the time but food's kind of not as meaningful anymore as we waste food we throw it out it's not as special and it's not but what is special is our attention so is the best offering we can give to the fae or the other our time and like our like creativity allows us to unlock time in a certain way that is like you know they they seem to interact with it in in a special way so i loved that idea and again all credit to vuk for that idea and where i really resonated with it not only on a um creative level and a level of like you know like i feel I can feel drained after drawing all day and be like, why? Like, I feel bad about feeling drained. Cause I'm like, I, I, my job is to draw silly pictures and cats and it like, I should not feel, but like, there is something draining to the process of creativity. And I love the idea that it's like an imaginal offering that it's a, it's a, a sinner. Uh, what's that word? Synergy, uh, whatever. Hey, it's a give and take. And like we give our attention and our time and we get to tap into that creative realm and that place of imagination that humans like live it, live for. Like we're here to create. And I also see it like kids are the only other thing that's ever taken my time like that. Like the only other thing that's ever just been like, here's a hundred percent of your, like is having kids. And like, it's almost like that gives them more power to have or more access to that liminal space. Like our attention to them allows them to have that full attention to experience those cool things in the imaginative world that the kids do. I don't know. So yeah, you nailed it. Attention, I think is a hundred percent a part of this. And it's just so funny that that was, I love themes throughout different conversations that pop up here right i'm gonna have to i think you know luke and i were talking about you know probably discussing this exact thing so that'll be a fun uh <laughs> we'll do it so much better than me so yeah everybody check out vuk he yeah one of the smartest people i've had the pleasure of talking to and just a really good friend at this point so i'm, I'm glad that y'all connected and just like wait. you having a sign to 
you having a scientific background is I love people that have the both. Like I love that you are a photographer, but you also have the botany. Like I feel like it gives you better capabilities of processing or communicating these stories. And that's, I think it's something special that you're doing, Bex. Thank you. Like, thank you for noticing. Um, no, it's, it's, it's difficult because my day-to-day operations very much so like creative, very much so like an artist, um, very fly by the seat of my pants, but I am very interested in like the mechanics and the analog of how things work. And so there's that combination. Uh, but I just remembered something that we had talked about a little um, on Instagram and something that I think falls within the situation, but it's, it's like an interesting segue as well. And it's um, using different like ghost hunting methods for art projects. So the thing that comes to me that what I use the most is I have, I have like 300 hours under Estes at this point now, like just so many. And um I really like the idea of using the Estes method and falling into that, uh, you know, distracted trance state where you're cut off from all stimuli um, to get art project ideas. (laughs) And so I've been wanting to, you know, and I explore, uh, you know, it's so weird thinking about the Estes because there are people who do it very traditionally of like, they're just listening for messages. They're really the messages, mm-hmm. but I've kind of flown off the deep end. And, and this is like in part because of Katie Webb and, and her experiences with it and astral. Um, I, I don't hear as much as like, I, I get like little visions and I, um, I feel like I just go off an astral like I would if I were in a dream. And so yeah. I just really visually instead, but then I'm like, I want to like make art around these worlds that I'm experiencing and these, uh, these like interactions I'm having with these other beings. Like I want to document that in some way um, with a photograph. And so, um, you know, I'm just thinking about uses for Estes and, you know, a variety of other, um, you know, like ghost hunting methods to create. I love that so much. And like it, it tapping into that, like complete sensory deprivation is so useful. Like I, I use the shower as a similar thing. Like it's a way that I can just like completely, you know, zone out or there's, there's a bunch of stuff, but like having the almost like it, it seems like a, uh, a a good wall to get over meditation stuff to be like oh i'm doing the estes method it seems like more fun and strange for somebody i love that idea have you ever done like uh, uh complete sensory deprivation tanks or anything like that done like float tanks or anything no i would love to um i i just haven't gotten the opportunity but i i'm obsessed with the idea and i'm obsessed yeah. with people's stories <laughs> We, we did them a lot more before we had kids and it was really fun and it, it very similar to what you're saying. Like it's, it, I, I've never done that. I've done very little as far as like ghost hunting or any kind of actual like boots on the ground or anything. I love all of the, especially the S Smith, all of those things are like super interesting to me and using those to explore the imagination, I think is a beautiful idea that I would love to see you pursue. <laughs> you should definitely yeah. figure out how to translate these things into photos. That would be so cool. Um, yeah that's awesome (laughs) absolutely absolutely so do you have anything that you're working i mean you have a million projects all the time it seems like obviously but is there anything besides like the general liminal earth stuff that you're working on that you're super excited about right now or if it is liminal earth that's all good too we can just go into that because that i love the stuff you all doing there so 
It's wild because we just have so many projects within the Little Earth. Like we each yeah. take on our own stuff. And so, you know, Garrett's always doing like ham radio. He's kind of spearheading like the flora phone and he does a lot of like the analog tech. Uh, Jeremy does a lot of like liminal ecology and he um, loves uh, kind of exploring a lot of the theories within that. But he's also just an amazing um, person to be loose on the ground with. He talks to people in, in a very amazing way. And um, and then I, you know, kind of do all do a bunch, but I'm always the person who kind of films and and uh, visually curates everything. Um, but as far like we always have our own projects, I guess is why I was saying that. Um, but outside of Liminal Earth, um, I'm trying to like, you know, contribute to some stuff that's also in our community that other folks are creating, like zines and things. And I want to uh, like contribute photographs. And so cool. I'm working on this series right now that I think I want to toss around to some friends. And um, I'm doing like a hometown haunts photo series, and it's gonna be like. Um, photograph of a place and then like a little bit of a story of like uh, I, I posted one like for sample on Instagram recently and it was this uh, this inn that I grew up across the street from and um, you know like when I would visit my mom uh, she lived across the street and uh, we would wake up in the middle of the night to people screaming and are like well what's going on so Whoa. we would run to the window and people would be running out of the inn, going into the cars, taking off. And That's so, so over scary. the years, yeah. And so over the years, you know, there's been like newspaper coverage about it, and we find out that there's um, guests who will experience like you know ghosts at the foot of their bed, phantom footsteps, disembodied voices, and, and would just freak out and leave. So it was really cool, like you know, secondhand experiencing that. But then I went back last weekend, photographed it on film. Um, you know, capture the spirit of the place, if you will, for that, and then wrote a little caption about it. So I think I'm going to expand. There's a dog at the dog at the door. <laughs> Puppy um, wants some love. Oh, goodness. But yeah, so, you know, just documenting these places that are like really significant to me um, from like a spooky perspective, but then being able to uh, kind of share those stories of why. Yeah. You know, Oh, puppy time. That's awesome. I am really excited about that. And that I, yeah, I think that's a really cool photography is so, like such a beautiful thing and something. Oh, look at that doggy. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a cutie. A tissue. Are you? Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's all good. But yeah, it's something that like, I really, res I, it's something that seems like, it should be easier than it is and it's beautiful when it's done the way that you do it so i'm really excited to see you get more into that and share more with the community that's awesome oh. um yeah totally so i mean i i think we're in a pretty good spot here i am uh i i have no other like super i all the notes i wrote down have been covered at this point and like i kind of want to bring you back on at some point and maybe even do it with i would love to talk to katie webb as well about like some of the astral stuff you were just talking about and yeah i'd love to i really like you all's vibe together i watched a lot of your live shows in the last couple of days and they they were super fun so yeah we should do this again soon and maybe reach out to katie to do something too well yes please i know i'm sure she would love that um thank you so much for like watching our stuff i think it's really interesting you know doing you know being in the position of little earth and like doing um so many podcast interviews you can really tell who's like done their homework and yeah. 
I, I love, I respect you so much for doing that. And, and it really comes through and like how you, how you interview. And, and so thank you for actually like looking into us and actually into our work. And <laughs> the, thank you for making genuinely weird content that is more yeah. substantive than, uh, I mean, like I, as I got, back into this stuff and it coincided with me becoming a full-time artist i listen and consume things like through my headphones all day long and finding finding stuff that actually comes across as genuine as y'all do is kind of rare so it's nice to it's it, it, the the uh feeling is or what was what i trying to say the gratitude is mutual <laughs> oh, man. That's i love it I, same yeah same to you it's, it's so so genuine and so um the intentions, the, the correct intentions are there. So oh, I love it. Well, thank you. Well, tell everybody where to find everything that you want them to find. And I'll make sure I put links in all that good stuff. But yes, please tell. Um, so just me on a personal basis, you can find me across the board at Bex and the Liminal. Um, check out Liminal Earth, uh, Liminal.Earth, the website where you can submit your own stories of the strange. Uh, we are completely 100% crowdsourced. So that's exciting. Um, we also have a Patreon at Liminal Earth Society. Uh, join that. Uh, we <laughs> we cover a lot of ground. I do a lot of writing and, and things in that area. Um, that's where you can also find like all the backlogs for past Wufos, past Katie and Beck's lives, and, and things of the sort. Um, we also are on YouTube and things. Um, catch my Liminal reports on Night Drift. You can check that in the yeah. Euphemet on Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Um, my goodness, <laughs> I think that covers it. <laughs> you are a busy on. person. No, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that list. It's yeah. very, it's spot on. I'll have links to all of it below. Bex, thank you so much for doing this again. I love what you're doing. Definitely follow Bex on Instagram. Her photography is beautiful. And yeah, uh, thank you so much. And we'll talk soon for sure. Mm -hmm.